Now the sirens have a still more fatal weapon than their song, namely their silence. Someone might possibly have escaped from their singing, but from their silence, certainly never. Franz Kafka. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. Humankind has long feared and revered the sea. So it is no wonder that some of the scariest and most destructive monsters come from the sea. In my research for my current work in progress, I did a fair amount of obscure monsters that were Southern European, because that's where it takes place. And the majority of what I found were aquatic. I would say if I had to guess, at least for that region, 70% of the monster types were aquatic in some way. We've mentioned them in a couple of different episodes. Okay, yes, the hippocamp is a chimera, but we're going to talk about it in the aquatic. We're going to talk in a couple more episodes about very ancient creatures, a lot of them also aquatic. One of the most common aquatic creatures that you encounter, especially in today's pop culture, are the merfolk and the sirens. Fun fact, sirens in Greek mythology were originally actually a bird in human combo, not a fish in human combo, but they've been assimilated with a mermaid over time. So that's why we're lumping them into the aquatic rather than the chimera. Of course, if you know anything about the ocean, that's where the big stuff lives. So most of it's not going to be human size. Human size in the ocean is fairly small. I remember reading about a monster that was, it sounded like slightly larger than a shark, but it had razor back spines and they would run underneath the hull of a ship. They would destroy it like a bandsaw, just go and destroy the ship that way. And that's one of the smaller aquatic monsters that you're going to find. And it's still much larger than a human. Top in that category is going to be the Kraken. I can hear the organ playing now. (laughs) But because the Kraken is so large and so ancient, we will be talking about it in a couple of episodes when we discuss the Titans, the ancient giant pre-god kind of creatures. That's also the episode we will address the Lovecraftian mythos, which again, you have a lot of aquatic type monsters there. If you look back to biblical times, they have the whale. Some of the mythology around the kraken is based around the squid, which is an actual real thing. There are giant squid out there, and they are giant. We mentioned last episode about the hippocamp, which is like a half horse, half fish thing. If you Google it, you're going to find some brain anatomy as well. Just kind of skip that part and move on to the fun stuff. My question about the hippocamp is because they're also called the seahorse. And I wonder if this came from like the classic fish tales of seahorses. You know how a fisherman will be like, yeah, I caught it and it was this big and he's, you know, half a foot. And then the next time he tells the story, it's two feet. And the next time he tells the story, it's his whole arm length span. And I wonder if that's kind of how this developed is people were finding actual real seahorses that are just the tiny little itty bitty cute creatures and being like, it was this horse and this fish all in one. And it just kind of kept growing in people's imaginations until it was like the size of an actual horse. 
See, it's interesting because if you look at seahorses, they don't look like a half fish, half horse. It doesn't like have hooves. <laughs> but if I saw one and I was trying to explain it to you and then you went and told your husband about it, who then told his dad, who told Plenty the Elder about it, and then he would just write all of it down going, this is what I heard this seahorse looks like. It's a game of telephone with all mythological creatures, which is why you'll find a lot of variations on the ones we're talking about throughout the month. So let's move on to the more northern European regions and onto the island where you run into the Kelpies and the Selkies. Kelpies are a shape-shifting water spirit that usually takes the form of a horse or a human, largely considered to be evil, trickery. Mischievous, definitely. Mischievous, yeah. Most of the stories around Kelpies were warnings to stay away from them. On the other hand, Selkies, or Selks, I've heard them called S-E-L-C-H, Selks, were seals when they were in the water, but they were curious, and so they would want to go on land. What they would do is they would shed their seal fur and then go on land and have a grand old time, and then they would put the seal fur back on and go back into the water and be seals again. But... If somebody found their seal fur while they were gallivanting around on land, they would do anything they could to get it back. So they would basically be in slavery of the person who held their fur until they got it back and then they would be free again. And then, of course, there's Nessie. Good old Nessie. And in general, lake monsters, because again... Most of these stories are told as warnings. They're oral histories to warn people to stay away from the water. And so if you have a large body of water that may be treacherous, there's a monster in there that's going to come and eat you. I think if you live near a fairly large body of water, there is probably going to be some local lore about the monster at the bottom of the lake. For us... We have a giant sturgeon that eats children that fall overboard. And I believe it was Friday the 13th, the movie, the characters are around Camp Crystal Lake, and it's like a haunted lake. Uh, Lake Placid was a Stephen King that had the gigantic alligator in the lake that the old lady was feeding him. You also have the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is the monster that comes out and kidnaps women. So you'll see so many aquatic monsters throughout history, throughout mythology, and a lot of them are oral histories. Because like I said a little bit ago, it was a warning. Sailors told stories about the Kraken to prevent people from diving into the sea, because surprisingly, most sailors way back in the day didn't know how to swim. Sounds like a poor life plan, but... Well, it's because they feared the water more than were familiar and loved it. They feared it, they respected it, but they didn't love it like we like to romanticize. Oftentimes, when the gods were trying to communicate with you, water was a good way to do it. Sailors are a very superstitious lot, and you can point a lot of it back to monsters in the water. The albatross was a good thing, saying basically land was nearby and we were going to be safe. But when you saw something moving in the dark, and you couldn't put your feet on the ground... It's a terrifying moment. The Odyssey is one of the first written accounts in the Mediterranean area. 
of sirens and other aquatic monsters. And it wasn't until Hans Christian Andersen wrote The Little Mermaid that mermaids were painted in a good light. Mostly, I think a lot of the aquatic monsters were to be revered and left alone. You were safest if you didn't annoy them in any regard. And that includes by not facing north while drinking rum from a green bottle or whatever it was. Every ship had their own superstitions, but those were ways to annoy the gods, especially the sea gods, and get the monsters after you. So if you look at all these different monsters we've talked about, they have common themes. They're either absolutely huge and gigantic, or they're inviting and enticing, and they're trying to lure someone to their deaths. They're mean. And sometimes they're just angry and devious. So if you do try to kill one, ask Ahab. It's not really advised. You're probably going to go down with it. If your character is a hero character, they're a sacrificial hero where they die protecting the rest of the ship or whatever. So with the sirens, with the ones that can entice you with their song, just stop up your ears, don't listen. Literal earwax. Yeah. (laughs) Your hero's best bet is avoid them. Stay away from them. Don't mess with the sea because it will wreck you. And if there is a wise old geezer on the ship, do everything he says. One of my favorite parts about the sea creatures, the sea monsters, is that they might actually exist. (laughs) There is 95% of the ocean that is completely unexplored. But the ocean also contains 99% of the living space on the planet. So there are things in that 95% unexplored that we've never seen, that we don't know, that we don't have a record of. What's to say there isn't a giant kraken down there? What's to say there aren't mermaids in the depths that have adapted? What's to say these don't exist? And I love it. That's probably the most terrifying thing you'll hear all day. But until we see you next time, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots@aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 